Welcome to Know Your Aura with Mystic Michaela, episode four, The Recovering Empath. A little bit of a more serious episode today. Um, but first, let me introduce you to Scott. Hey, guys. And we're going to just hang out for a minute before yeah. we get all serious. I'm getting serious today, Scotty. You're, I know you're getting serious for a little bit. Yeah. First, first uh, I just want to thank the live studio audience again. Yeah. We have our cat, <laughs> Rocky. Right. Um, who really enjoys these shows. So if nobody else does, at least the cat does. The cat enjoys it. The cat enjoys it. He rewards us by attacking our feet while we, while During we do it, this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this weekend, what do we do? Well, we finally got out. Never happens. Never happens. No. Um, Sunday we got out. It's interesting to rehash it, too, because we didn't even have a chance to just even talk about it. It was quite a time. Yeah. Really? Well, it was interesting. <laughs> we never go out. Let's just yeah. establish that. Right. And so uh, we went to like the bar to watch football in right. an outside bar in Florida, and it was very hot. I was sweating the whole time. Yeah, but it was okay. And yeah. I invited my good girlfriend, Julie, out, and you invited your friend. Chuck. Chuck. And people know Chuck because of the from live show. From the live show. I always talk about Chuck on the live shows. He's a character. Yeah. Well, he has a foot fetish. And he has a foot fetish. But <laughs> it's just a little weird. He doesn't listen right. to podcasts. He does not listen to podcasts. He does not. He has like a phone. He does not know how to use it. If I ask him even to Dude, like listen to our phone. podcast. Dude, it's a flip phone. Did yeah. you notice that? Is it a flip phone? Yeah. Yeah. He would not know how to figure out how to get onto he the podcast. He texts by like, you know, you remember the old flip phone? You had to press each button like three times to get to your letter. Yeah. And then wait a second and then like do the next one. Right. That's what he has. Unbelievable. <laughs> Isn't it funny? I mean, he might not even have email. Right. Like, I don't even think he has email He's, yet. It's okay. But like, anyway, so what we were doing, so my, my friend Julie, she's single and we were just trying and it was like a busy day at the bar and well, we were, football. Football. So, yeah. yeah, a lot of guys. So we were trying to set her up aura color style. Right. And Which is, we kind of just pick out the colors that we yeah. think, or I think, or you think would be good for her. Well, she's indigo and purple. She's like a therapist. Right. So we're like, okay, you know, we have to find, she needs somebody more red or even like a balanced green. And there was a lot there and you were willing to go up to anybody. Yeah. I mean, I'm willing you're to, a wingman. Yeah. I mean, plus I had two Captain and Coke That's a lot doubles. for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I haven't had a drink since, I don't know, a couple oh, months ago. What? Last time I had a drink before that was like a few months ago. It's not. I thought you like drink Tennessee whiskey and like smack it down upside down on the counter when you're done. <laughs> As you told me, Wild West style. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, you know, avoid talking about that. <laughs> well, it didn't work. It didn't work. We had no success setting her up because right. your friend kept trying to touch her feet, Scott. Yes, he did. He did right there at the bar. And it freaked her out. And it freaked her out. But she's kind because she's and, a therapist. And basically, <laughs> she said one thing. She said to Chuck, if if you want to touch my feet, first you have to touch Scott's feet. Right. Which Chuck was Chuck was not willing to do. No. I mean, I was look, I was willing to let him do it for the sake of, you know, his foot fetish deal. You, you were know. a little too willing, <laughs> to be honest with you. Well, I do have flat feet. <laughs> and they hurt. Know. And sometimes like, you know, I do go to the like the massage, the Asian massage. Yeah. For feet, yeah, for your feet. Which your uncle, you know, introduced us to. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. We love it. The, yeah. So how foot spa. I was gonna look at it like that, you know, like just <laughs> yeah. instead of me paying thirty dollars for the agent, <laughs> like let the foot massage friend with the foot fetish in the ninety yeah. degree heat at the bar, bar. rub it right, <laughs> so that he could then, you know, for, for Julie, right, right. right. Oh, well, but I guess it didn't work. Anyways, out. he had a hissy fit and left because Julie wasn't having it. So she, he was, yeah, she was, wasn't having it. No, she wasn't having it. No, and, and then you know then. 
you know, he got upset and his team was losing and everything went to pot from there. It was a whole day, but we yeah. had a good time. It was a good time. It was a good two hours. Um, and we, ju- we just couldn't find an aura color at the bar. We that, couldn't find that, one. That matched up with her. Well, plus I think she's a little shy, you know, yeah. and she doesn't want to, and she's had like a lot of bad experiences yeah. with different situations. And she's indigo and like indigos do attract a lot of sociopaths and her, it's like, she just takes, I don't even know where they come from. They find her. What? Uh, so you said she's indigo and purple? She's indigo and purple. So what uh, aura color combo would work best for her? Like a balanced green. A balanced green. A really, oh, yeah. I mean, a red would work too, but I think for her, a balanced green okay, not would like, work the like best. Guru, remember we did all those greens? Oh, my God. Like, no, at Guru green. No, she's been dealing with a lot of, like, um, South Florida purples. Okay. That's what she's been dating, like a lot of South Florida purples. She so South Florida purple, no way. No, and she's just she like brings them out the yeah. South Florida purples, yeah. and they all like like the the last one says he sells jets, <laughs> but <laughs> he, he wouldn't jets? take her out to eat. You know, okay. it's like if he sells jets, why doesn't he take you out to eat? Like and like plane? they were you're talking about planes, actual Boeing jets. He was telling her he's okay. this is South Florida purple. He was telling her he sold. Boeing jets and made tons of money, but he was always too busy to go out. Like they always had to just like sit inside, sit, stay indoors, and like cook ramen noodles. Yeah, and like like not like get taken. Wow. And he lived in not a place that's reflective of if you sell Boeing jets, like uh, things uh, like yeah. that. But this is like what she maybe, deals maybe with he, constantly. Maybe he sold like uh, like the like the, the toys? toy models, yeah. right? The models, models, yeah, the model salesman of yeah. jets. <laughs> that's definitely it. All right. All right, so what are you, you going to be talking about? The so yeah, so today I'm talking about the recovering empath, and this is like a very I wanted to do a whole episode about this, um, just because, and you know we'll, we'll switch it up and do some other things too, but I want to do a whole episode because like what is an empath? And an empath is somebody that feels the feelings of other people the same as as themselves. And and chances are, if you're listening to me, um, and definitely if you have a reading from me or like you're interested in this stuff, you have an empath quality that's a part of your energy. And usually that's purples, indigos, turquoises, and blues. Those are my empath colors. And the the thing with being an empath is it's different from having empathy. So there are people out there that have empathy, like they feel for other people, but that's different than being an empath. An empath literally feels the same feelings that whoever they're around experiences. And I'm calling it the recovering empath because there are stages there are stages in empath development and you're born an empath. Like this just doesn't happen to you. You might've been told like, I'm too sensitive. You're so sensitive. You're this, you're that. But being an empath is, not, is a way that you're born. Okay. So um, for example, my four-year-old, she told me, you know, she just started preschool and she said, I'm, I'm going to be the perfect child. I want to be the perfect child. She's a turquoise aura. And right there, you know, instead of being like, yes, that's great. Be the perfect, you know, which is what most society would say. Yes, be good. Be a good girl. Be the perfect child. It's like, hey, wait a second. That's a red flag. Because the biggest thing that I could say about empaths is you have to be super careful not to attach your self-worth to how other people view you and how other people react to you. And that is the number one way empaths get misled in life, tricked up, they start living inauthentically, and all these other things happen because you can feel the reactions of other people to you and you become controlled by them. Why? Because they feel exactly like 
your own feelings. So I have stages. And, and so the first one is the programmed empath, I call it. This is somebody who's, um, they, they're not, they don't know that they're an empath. So they've grown up in a family and this is their role. They're the good one. They're the fixer. They're the healer. They don't have problems. They solve problems. They're the ones who go out of their way to help other people. They, they just habitually put themselves on the back burner. It is not even to the any sort of forefront of their mind to do for themselves. The programmed empath, unless they are told or they are awakened or they are some sort of catalyst happens in some way where they realize they have this power, because being an empath, it's a sixth sense. It's the same as seeing or touching or feeling or anything like that. It is a sixth sense. I, I say it all the time, like it's like smelling. You can't turn it off. And if you're around somebody who's smelly, you know, you smell that. It's the same thing if you're around somebody who's grumpy. Like, you're going to start feeling grumpy. If you don't know that's not you, you might think it is you. So the programmed empath is a sponge. They're a total sponge to all the people around them. And it's hard for a, a programmed empath, especially a programmed empath, without the self-awareness that they are holding of this gift, that it is very common for them to lose sight of who they are, what they want, what they want to do, and, and anything past pleasing others. So they, be, they can become pleasers. And they become invisible. That's the other thing. I talk a lot about um, the invisible empath. And it goes hand in hand with the programmed empath. Like, you know, based on how you were raised or whatever. And, and when I do a reading, this is all very specific to you and your situation. This is me talking about it generally. But my hope is that some of these things like ring a bell on you and you can kind of like see it and pinpoint it to situations in your own life. But invisible empaths, you know, growing up myself, I found that I didn't want to be noticed. So I would wallflower a lot. Why? Because I had a need to make other people feel more special. It was very important for me to feel that other people felt special. So I made sure I dimmed my light, that I was invisible. I didn't even realize this for years, years. And it, and it went into friendships, you know, making sure that when I was out with people, I was not the one standing out. I would pick out, I can't wear that. My friend, you know, looks better in that than me. So I'll wear this instead. Subconscious, totally, it's sad and pathetic looking back, but... Those are things that even when I say sad and pathetic, like I've had to move past that and be like, it's okay. I wasn't aware. And that was just me trying to get my self-worth through making other people feeling good. I call that borrowing emotion, borrowing happiness from other people, borrowing their satisfaction. And also the programming told me that their happiness and their satisfaction was more important than my own. Therefore, I did good today. Therefore, that's where my self-worth comes from. So the, this, this is a, a cycle that people get stuck in. And I see a lot of people who aren't aware that they're doing this and they feel like this is their life just constantly doing for others and they have a numb feeling to their own spiritual connection and what they want to do for themselves. Once you figure it out, like whatever that is, whatever that moment is, I, my good girlfriend, she's a, a teacher. She teaches young children and she joined my Mystic Michaela spiritual family page. Like, okay, I'll join that, whatever. And she came up to me and we don't really talk about this stuff so much, but she came up to me because I know we're in a different context because we both are moms to kids that play together. So it's like a different context for me versus my psychic lady context. And she came up to me and she's like, you know, 
I didn't know there was a word for what I was. I really just thought I was just too sensitive. I didn't realize there was a word for this and it's called empath. And that like made my heart feel so full because that's what spirit wants you to know. Like this is a power that you have and this is something that needs to be seen and cultivated and validated for you. Once you figure it out and, and, and sometimes you can get really angry because you can look back and you can be like, hey, wait a second. Like I've, I have all these people around me that basically drain me or, you know, I have a role that benefits them instead of myself. And you can get very angry and angry empaths are a thing. And, and anger isn't the worst thing because sometimes it's a breakthrough emotion. Anger is a secondary emotion. Like it really just covers up fear or sadness or shame or like you wasted time or like whatever. But like anger is sometimes necessary to break through a wall. And you got to move past, like I'll, skip, I'll see people stuck with the angry thing and then they feel victimized. And that's right there. The anger and the victimization stage of being a recovering empath is where your ego can really trip you up. The ego is the part of our human brain and has a very noble purpose. It's to keep us alive. And how it does that is to make us avoid change. So when you are angry and you feel victimized and you have like a right to feel these things because yeah, people have been using you and yeah, you have been drained and depleted and people were thinking about themselves. And actually there were people in your lives that, you know, you're there to serve them and it's not the other way around. But once you realize this, you have to realize like, okay, but I attracted them because what did it do for me? Because at that time, my agreement was my self-worth was only dependent on other people's viewpoints of me. I was borrowing their satisfaction for what I was doing for them. That's where my self-worth was coming from instead of spirit, my connection with self, etc. So you have to take responsibility. That moves you through that angry and victimized empath stage where a lot of people get tripped up. When you get tripped up by your ego, it can, it, it, there's a lot of things that can happen here. This is like where I see people getting angry at other people. You know, I can see some empaths getting stuck and then they get angry, like when success happens for someone else or when things happen for other people. They're like, why me? Why doesn't this happen to me? What's going on? Why I always get dumped on? I always, this, I always, that. and you got to watch it there. And we've all gone through it in our recovering process. We've all gone through it. And, and it's not a, it's not a stage that ever goes away either. Like, like you'll get tripped back up and go back to that anger or victimized stage every once in a while. And it's something that you have to just be very self-aware with and very hard on yourself with. Like, okay, you know, the way that spirit communicates with you is very truthfully. And if you just like give it and deliver it lovingly to yourself, you can move through this stage to the next one, which is more self-aware. And, being that, and that's what I'm talking about, being mindful and being self-aware, understanding that this is a sixth sense, that you do feel other people the same as yourself. You'll never be able to turn that off. That is something that will always be a part of every experience you ever have. And it's also important to remember that you are responsible for the people that you bring into your own life. And that right there, when you realize you have control, some people like that and some people don't. Because that means when you take personal responsibility, you got to be real honest with yourself. And some people don't like to be honest with themselves. And that's where I get people tripped up. And that's the ego tripping you up because you don't want to change to do 
the hard work. And it is hard to do the hard work of being like, okay, what did I do to cause this, basically? This relationship, this friendship, this job, this situation, like my family relationship, how they view me. And that's when boundaries are set. And you'll see when you set boundaries, notice who has an issue with you with it and notice who's supportive. The supportive people, they're not invested. Like anybody who sees you growing in a healthy way should be supportive. If they're not, if they start saying, oh, you've changed or this or that, that's a red flag. Because when somebody doesn't respect a boundary of yours or they test it or they go after it or they start accusing you of things, ask yourself this question, why are they trying to control me? Because that is not, whatever you gave to them, your pleasing, your, your subservancy, whatever, that was necessary for them. They were eating that. They were draining you. Energy vampires are a thing. And just like on a side note, and I could do a whole episode about just narcissists and the relationship with empaths. Empaths and narcissists are polar opposites, yet insanely attracted to one another. And I see a lot of empaths and they just attract a lot of narcissists. Now, there aren't a lot of narcissists out there in the world and there aren't a lot of empaths, but they sure do all know each other. Because the thing is, is empaths have this need for compassion and this constant need to give. And narcissists are like this hole that cannot be filled. And they have this constant need to receive that compassion and receive whatever you have to give them. And they need to be worshipped. And they constantly have this false self. I'm this, I'm that, you know, and and they need the empath to support that because the empath will borrow their reality, feel what they need and construct it for them. So narcissists really can't have a relationship with anybody except empaths who are unaware. If you make yourself aware, you're going to see all the narcissists leave immediately, like just jump ship. Oh, and they'll say awful things to you when they do it. Because once your self-esteem is not based on being good and it's not based on being a pleaser and it's not based on getting your satisfaction from how others feel, then you can do the real work. Then the real amazing things start happening for you. So right there, that is a time when you can start feeling a little isolated. So there is a stage in empath recovery that involves a lot of isolation where it's like, you know what? I don't trust myself to bring in good people anymore. I feel like I always bring in this. See, I say this all the time. We don't recreate what's good for us. We recreate what's normal for us. Think about that. To recreate what's good for you means you have to get very uncomfortable because you were probably raised to be a pleaser, a helper, a supporter, not talking about yourself, all this stuff, all the things that other people loved about your empath qualities, you were raised that, oh, that's my self-worth right there. So to change that, you have to see that there's only certain places I'm giving my empath energy to. And those are places that will pay it forward with gratitude, things like that. So I see a lot of happy empaths working with the innocents, children, the elderly, those um, animals, uh, people in crisis, you know, rescue efforts, like all these things. I'll see empaths working for, and all they get, and this is what truly fills an empath's heart, is like a smile. Like if, it, you know, I see just because the Bahamas are on my mind and there's a lot of news down here of everybody going over, you know, and helping out in the Bahamas and stuff. And just these people are just like, here, you know, here's water, here's money, here's a blanket. Like just the joy on these and relief from these people's faces that somebody saw them and cared about them and wanted them to have comfort. That feeds the empath right there. So it's like finding the right 
the right places to put that energy because they say empaths do God's work. So they want to feel other people's glow. They want to feel that light in other people the way that it's supposed to be. That's where your connection comes, comes from. Not from pleasing people, from giving them the light, whatever that is, and making it spark in them and giving them hope and making them feel seen and validated and loved, which is truly the communication of spirit, unconditional love, and somehow translating that to them through acts of kindness and good. So as you're healing, you know, so isolation is a thing. It can be hard to trust yourself again. But as you heal, as you start changing your ways, as you start putting up boundaries and respecting yourself, as you start going back through the other stages of being an empath and and with love and self-awareness, then you can experience sometimes what I like to call um, light working. So this is light working is anything where you, I was just saying, like you take the light from spirit and you give it to other people. And this is just the places where it's deserving to go most and where it does the most good. You know, I see nurses and teachers and therapists, you know, things like that. But you don't have to have a label. I see people volunteering. You know, I see um, at the, you know, I see people because around here there is a, a large elderly population. I'll see a lot of, you know, elderly people with their like assistants at the grocery store or things like that. Like just little, just being patient with somebody and, and letting them feel like loved, things like that. Like just being there for somebody who appreciates it and isn't toxic, that is light working. So I see that is the end stage. That's the end goal. Like where you see that you see the boundaries that you have to put up. You see that not everybody's going to be okay with that. You have an understanding that you will always feel other people's feelings as your own. Like you get all that. And right there, that is the goal. And it's a journey. Like it doesn't get finished in this lifetime. Being an empath is, I feel before we come here, we do something as, as we create a soul contract and we decide how we're going to do things. And part of our soul contracts have a lot to do with our, our acts of good in them and how we need to use what, what our tools are, how we overcome our situations we were put in and how we get to the, you know, the stage where we're working for the greater good and, it, and our approval and our self-worth comes from within where our connection to spirit is. And I use spirit like you, you can fill in whatever word you want there. God, Jesus, like whatever you want in there. I use spirit, but it's a universal term so for whatever you're comfortable using. Empathic overload. I really need to talk about this because it's like a thing. So it's empathic overload, empathic overwhelm. When you're doing too much, you like, and I am super not a doctor or a therapist. So like, go see those people, like obviously, but I see a lot of times, like it's not depression, it's empathic overwhelm. So, I mean, that's my unscientific op opinion, you know, based on what I see. But what happens is, is empaths, like I said, they're sponges and it can be so hard sometimes to keep up any sort of barrier. It's actually Sometimes people say, but you got to put up a wall. You got to toughen up. You got to have a thicker skin. It's not going to happen if you're an empath. You actually have to like let the, you have to learn how to let the feelings just kind of move through you and not attach to them. That's kind of what you got to do. Like, and, and it's basically like not everybody's problems are things I have to solve. Like I can notice them and they can bother me, but now I got to let it go. This is a funny story. When Scott and I started having children, like, you know, kids cry 
And I remember this one time, like my little one was crying because we were like taking the binky or the pacifier away from her. And she would just scream and cry and be like, it was awful. And I don't know, it doesn't bother me so much when, when the kids cry. Cause I'm like, okay, you know, cause I know it's just, they're okay or whatever. And it's just noise and I can shut it out. But what would bother me is when my husband was home because it really, like, I felt his, like, oh, my God, like, angst, anxiety, his angst, his stress. He didn't have a solution for it. He couldn't handle it. Like, he was getting really stressed out. That's what was bothering me. So one day I was like, oh, it bothers, you know, you stop being bothered by it. Stop it. Because, like, I can feel your feelings. And he got really mad at me because he told me that was selfish. And it is. It's true. Like, people have to be allowed to have their own feelings. Because it's just because I can feel your feelings doesn't, like, I would always try. And that's later in my life even. I still struggle with it. I can't control how he feels. Like, if he wants to feel something, he's allowed to feel it. But it's annoying because I have to live with it. You know what I mean? So, like, I think, like, as empaths, that's why... When you have empathic overwhelm, sometimes like you just really need to be alone to get your boundaries back up or at least just to feel like yourself because you're constantly feeling other people's feelings and you can't shut it off. And then you have to remind yourself you're doing it all the time. It always it still tricks me up. Like I still get tripped up by it. I still get fooled by it all the time because it's like breathing to me. It's such a natural feeling to feel other people's feelings the same as my own. Like a muscle, you will work your empathic ones to realize, okay, what I can feel is mine and and what I can feel is some other people's and what the difference is. Like you will get better at that. But empathic overwhelm, you know, you get very triggered. You can be very sensitive. You can be really tired, like like chronic fatigue is part of it, um, but it's hard to sleep. Um, you can procrastinate. All of a sudden, like you have troubles being on time. You get really disorganized. You start daydreaming, things like that. Self-medication, I see a lot with empaths in the forms of food, you know, substances, alcohol, like, you know, things like that. Um, I see them stopping. Also, like other things, like behaviorally, like they, they become completely antisocial. It's normal for an empath to be somewhat antisocial, but then they'll get like completely antisocial. Uh, like things like that, like they do shut down. And when it starts to get a lot like that, you do have to work on fixing yourself. And I mean, we talk a lot about self-care in our society, but self-care is very, very simple. It's, it's, and the first step of self-care is like what I'm trying to do right now. Like, let's bring some self-awareness to it. This is a valid thing you have being an empath. That is a power. And getting honest with yourself about it and seeing that it's, something that has to be dealt with thoughtfully and mindfully is important. Journaling. It sounds super corny. I have a method. I made it up myself. I don't like to journal so much because I'm busy. So I call it my three word journal. So three times a day, three words, and that's it. You know, you can set your timer. You can do it on your notes, on your phone or whatever. It's three times a day and three words. And you'll and I tell people this every once in a while who I know are having a hard time um, getting more sensitive to their own emotions. And what it does is it just helps you. It helps you get more aware of how you're feeling and that'll help you meditating. Even if it's just listening to music for 20 minutes, things like that. Um, grounding, going outside barefoot, th- you know, just little things like that, like where you feel connected in yourself for a while. 
So I'd love for you guys to give me your thoughts on this. Um, Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family is a great place for us to connect and talk about empath empathic overwhelm, being an empath, your struggle, your journey as an empath. I feel like talking about it and seeing other people's journeys and the correlations between them can help you get more self-aware and move through all these stages of recovering empaths to the end stage where you're like light working and you're very healing and you're light working and you're self-aware. Yeah, that was incredible. Did give me some time to break into the Hollingworth candies. One of the ways <laughs> I, I, this is true though, like, cause you empaths know there is, I mean, there is one thing it, that makes you feel better and it's chocolate. And that is like a proof. That's like scientific. Yeah. yeah. And if you're going to do it, do it good. Like do it don't good. don't do the Kit Kat at the gas station, okay? Right. Like get the good get the good shit. And that's what we got today. <laughs> like, like don't get the M and M's you're saying. Nah. Like nah. really get the good stuff. And like, like the Hollingworth candy. I like candies with like a story. Like there's yeah. like a, it's like emotional. It's like, yeah. Like yeah. You, you gotta get into it. So today we have this is awesome. Hollingworth candies. And it's a family owned business in Lockport, Illinois, which is like a suburb of Chicago. And like it's three generations of people that have perfected this candy. And it is the best thing I've ever had. It is the toffee like melted in my mouth. What was your favorite? Far and away, I loved the milk chocolate Chesters. That was named after their grandpa. Oh, really? Yeah, that's their it's the chocolate Chesters. It's to, they're like turtles, yeah. turtle candies. That was named after their grandpa. So it's Margaret who is the founder. She's 92 and she was making toffee in her in her kitchen. And they perfected it, her daughter, Wendy, and her granddaughter, now Sarah. And they all work together. And they... And they're all clients. They're all clients, well, well, yeah. Uh, Sarah. Sarah, yeah. yeah. And they and sent this beautiful tin. We got the two-pound sampler tin. And I swear, like, if somebody sent me this, well, somebody did. But if I ever got this, like, yeah. just randomly as a Christmas gift or something, they'd be my favorite people. Because, like, we <laughs> opened it up. And it was just, like, all my troubles went away. And, yeah. and it... And the toffee was my favorite. I really liked the toffee. Chocolate. What about the uh, dark chocolate pecan toffee? Well, dark chocolate, I like toffee. So like, and then it's covered with like, and it's just perfect. Yeah, so we got the dark chocolate pecan toffee. We got the milk chocolate. We got the cashew brittle, which was also very, and it wasn't sticky. Right. Like, because sometimes like brittle will like stick in your teeth or toffee will, and it doesn't. It like you eat it and it just melts. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. We might have an issue because Why? my parents keep asking me, like, no, you know, your mom's trying to steal it. No, I know. She's like, when is that Hollingworth candy's coming? <laughs> she is. You know, she heard that like, we have this client and they're big yeah. into chocolates. Yeah, and got she's, a chocolate. she's a chocolate lover. She, she loves it. And it's in Chicago. And I said, well, they're sending it to us. We have like, Abby, too. Yeah, she's like, um, well, you better save me some. So the problem is, I don't know if I'm going to save her any. I don't know. We'll see. No, we will. Maybe we'll save her I don't know if I'm saving any of the Chesters. Those might be gone. Oh, my God. The Chesters. Those I think you've already had, like, three. Yeah, those might be gone by the end of the day. <laughs> really good. Before the kids come home. So you guys definitely should try um, the Hollingworth candies. And they're giving us a 15% off code. MM15 is the code. I'll put this all in my stories and stuff. At Hollingworth candies. It's just, like... It's like feel good food. It just makes you smile and happy and it helps the empaths yeah. recover. And they're and they're on Instagram. So you could So journaling, meditation, Hollingworth chocolates and toffees and candies and things like that. Yeah. Get you back on track. What's, what's their website? It is hollingworthcandies.com. 
And it's just Hollingworth Candies. And at Hollingworth Candies Instagram. Instagram. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, we're, we might go back to Chicago because we keep getting offers. We do. To go back to Illinois, Chicago area. There's I think some sort of actually, vortex think, there. Actually, I think they're, if you go to, because I, you know, I'm big into maps and all that yeah. stuff. And we were in Naperville. Like, remember, we were, we were actually in a suburb of Chicago okay. when we went there for the uh, event. So I think they're actually in a suburb of, like, around a Naperville area. Lockport. Yeah, I think, and I'm pretty sure that's close to where we were when we did all the parks and everything. Stop it. We could have gone. Yeah, so we could have went. Yeah. Next time, we're definitely going to go. <laughs> oh, no, we're, we're definitely going to go. All of us are showing up. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, like, keep, hi. like, if you have, like, people have been offering <laughs> us to come to Chicago to do events and parties. Um, so maybe we'll put something together again. So you can also reach out to us for that. Yeah. But, uh, we, we definitely have to go next time. I love Chicago. We were in Downers Grove. Mm-hmm. I don't think we were that far away from this store. We definitely could have. Man. Yeah. Well, we have it now. Regrets. All right. We're going to move on a little bit of FAQ with Mystic Michaela. Go ahead, Scotty. All right. Here we go. These are questions from. Okay. This is Macy Mm -hmm. from the Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family. And she asks, is it possible to subconsciously know your own aura colors? My favorite color was always purple and my brother's green. Are those... Our aura colors. Yeah, they were her aura colors. Okay. Yeah, I answered that for her. But like, yeah, no, it is true. I see that a lot. Like people, I'll tell us, like your dad, for example, I was like, hey, you're, you're yellow. He's like, my favorite color has always been yellow. You know, like I hear that a lot. People yeah. do get attracted. It's subconscious and you can be very much attracted to your own aura color. Absolutely. So that, that, so a lot of people, like they might just say, oh my God, that's my favorite color. I love that color. Yeah. Or like, I, I, that's funny. Like, um, I had one client. I got to find the picture. I told, you know, she's purple and blue. Um, and she had just gotten a tattoo and like the colors that she got on it were purple and blue. It was like a lotus flower and she wanted purple and blue. And she was like, oh my God, that's okay. crazy. You know, cause like it was just like a spiritual thing for her to get that tattoo. And she just happened to pick the colors that were her aura colors. You know, it's weird. You know, it's, it's definitely, they're real. That's the thing. Like these colors are real. Right. I think different aura readers sometimes are like, oh, th-, you know, I get this a lot. Like somebody told me I was orange with blue flakes and like and I'm like oh no I don't you know I don't know what that I don't know that like but a lot of what I see does align to chakra colors to like if you study chakra colors or, or reiki colors things like that I do see that align a lot to that but they're real the colors are real so you definitely have a, a knowledge of them okay mm-hmm. excellent all right so we, we also get a lot of questions because you you know you read a lot of the contestants from the bachelor yeah you've been on you know a lot of their podcasts like caitlin's podcast mm-hmm. and ashley's podcast yes so i you know i all the time they're asking us to read a lot of the characters or you know, people from characters character, well they are characters <laughs> from bachelor <laughs> paradise right so the one that i've been getting the most yes in the dms is Derek peth Derek Peth, okay. From Bachelor in Paradise. Yeah, and I think everybody just kind of fell in love with Derek just because, like, he went through a lot of heartache, and he took it so nicely, you know. So he's an empath, talking about empaths today. He's blue and purple, so that's, like, double empath colors. So he's very sweet and kind. I feel like he's really good with women. I feel like he's probably has a close relationship with his mother or something like that. Like, he's just – he's very – He's much a good listener, and he listens with his heart. So blue and purple are his aura colors, and that's why I think he just it translates pretty well to – I also like he does call people out, you know, because he, he does have an intuitive sense to him. Are blue and purple rare for a guy? No. No, no they're not. They're just, like, not very societally acceptable. So I see blue-purple guys have a hard time. 
blue purple guys have a yeah hard yeah because like for some reason they got told that was like the that's feminine to be a cry you know sensitive or you know he's super not like he's straight you know yeah. but he he's sensitive like yeah. and and he's he has a big heart connection and in our society I give a lot of credit to boy moms these days because they're doing a lot to change that. Like, it's okay to talk about your feelings, express emotion, things like that. Okay, so let's move on to the next question. Okay. What is your favorite type of coffee drink? Oh my gosh, I love chai tea, latte, anything. But remember that one time I tried that green drink and you were like, what's that? Remember? Which green drink was that? It was like at Starbucks. It's like that green tea. That but, you drank it like three seconds? Yeah. I, it was like yeah. $7 and it was like three seconds it was gone. Right. Yeah. I like chai tea. That's my chai thing. Tea. What's your favorite drink, Scott? I mean, I look, I'm a big fan. This is going to maybe surprise a lot of people, but I'm a big fan of the Wawa coffee. Like straight. You love gas station coffee. I do. It's like, like a weird, gross thing of yours. Although yeah. Wawa looks clean. You know, we're, we're not big enough yet so that this would be like, you know, <laughs> insulting where people would care. Like, like Starbucks is okay. But no, you love gas station coffee. Wawa coffee you like is the way to go. Too. Race, race, race track too. not as good as Wawa. Okay. <laughs> and now Wawa has the, this is not an ad, by oh the way, God. has the pumpkin spice coffee. Oh my God. So all I, I like just like a straight, like a coffee and no, no sugar in it. Just like a little creamer. Yeah. That's it. You're kind of basic. They ba- call that basic. basic. I'm basic. You're like basic. Anytime someone says like latte, macchiato, no, like chacchiato. Yeah. I have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> latte is you know, milk, almond milk and yeah. cashew milks. And I don't know. I don't get it. You are a sucker for pumpkin spice though. But yeah, if you get me the pumpkin spice coffee He's or happy. something like that, or just straight, like actually chock full of nuts is That's my favorite, favorite, favorite to have in the house. Like even more than the, uh, the Wawa. Um, so I would, I would go with that. Right. But I don't like any of the fancy stuff. Fancy. Not, not for me. Your red aura. Red aura, yeah. You like it simple. Yeah. And, I, and I've been trying to get people to convert to the Wawa. It's been a very... It's weird that you care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's been a very slow go at that. Like, I Who? Really... Who are you trying to convert? Well, I, I, I tried to convert you and, oh. you, and I failed. You told me how great it was, but you lied. Yeah. And then <laughs> I tried to convert Leanna. Oh, right. And she likes she, Chick-fil-A. She likes the Chick-fil-A coffee. Yeah. I don't get that. Everybody yeah. has their thing, Scott. You just have to let us yeah. go. And... You're so rad. You try to control us. <laughs> Yeah. You can't control us. But I'm going to have to let it go. But anyway. All right. All right. So another question is, what is your favorite place to visit? My favorite place to visit, I really like Disney World. Even though every time we go, I don't know, the kids cry and I wonder why we came. Yeah, I, I wonder <laughs> that too. Especially when we go in the summertime and it's really hot out. Well, we don't go in the summer anymore yeah. after well, that one time even October. when you guys had like heat stroke and I'd like yeah. drag you into Frontierland and like force yeah. coke down your throats. It, it, it's just so crowded. <laughs> I can't take the crowds. You know, like like being an empath, speaking of empaths, <laughs> right. isn't it insane with the crowds it's there? It's so heavy there like their de- their attention to detail and I just love like I don't know. Like, there's just such like a false reality, but like, I love it. Like, it's so great. I I think it's so happy, and I buy I buy into it. I buy into it. And every time we see a princess, and I'm like, oh my god, it's Ariel, and I get all excited with the kids. Like, you're like, you like whisper to me. That's like it's an 18 year old dressed up in a costume, and I'm like, I why don't ruin it for me? Like, this is like <laughs> I need this. I need to believe this. What What about the two hour wait for the Peter Pan ride? I don't like that. You're right. I, you know, I have a, I have my 
we've been married this long. You know this line. In right. your memories, yeah. you don't remember those things. Yeah. So I, I have, that's like my theory about vacations. You don't remember the bad stuff. I mean, we've been there how many times with the kids? I don't know, five, six, seven. Five, six times. And yet we haven't even been on Space Mountain. Well, the kids don't like roller coasters. Right. So like the best ride there, <laughs> we haven't even gone up. We do on the merry-go-round a lot. We do. And I love the people mover. You love the people mover. Well, like Scott I, has flat feet, so he can't walk. <laughs> right. It's like the only place that there's not a crowd. So I'll just go on the people mover and go around like, you know, a few times. Yeah, you love that. And like, no, there's never a line. For never, people never. A line. You just, it moves. That's why they call it the people. Yeah, movement. it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. But uh, all right. So you're saying it is Disney. Disney. Disney and Florida. I love not the, Disney. Not the. Have you? I've never been to, been to Disneyland. Yeah. No, I probably maybe it's smaller and I and you'd like it better. You went no, there. I've been there. Yeah, I've been there. You like that? I was a kid. Uh, uh, I can't imagine how old were you. Don't remember. I don't think you. Scott has this thing like where he does it like he blanks out like major parts of his life. Yeah, I don't remember how old I was. <laughs> we can ask. <laughs> we can ask my dad. Yeah. Okay. Um, nobody, of course, asked me what my favorite place to visit was. What is so your favorite I'm going place, to, Scott? Uh, I'm going to pass on the question. Oh no. No, no, no. It's true. I mean, one day someone will ask me a question. What's but, your favorite place to visit? Scott? Well, now that you asked, <laughs> I would probably go with one of the national parks. Oh, you do like that? Yeah, maybe like Yellowstone. Oh, Even though yeah. I'm not green, I know. But that me- might be like you guys. Like you guys say, I try to be green. You were your happiest in the national parks ever. Yeah. Even though I'm not a green aura. For a long time, like when we didn't know what to do with our lives and before children, I wanted us to be park rangers, and you she didn't. Did. You didn't want to do that. You also wanted us to live on a boat in Key West. I did. Which I said just wasn't a good idea. <laughs> like did before the uh, yeah, there were a lot of things I wanted to do. Those were purple bobs. Instead of, instead of teach. <laughs> purple bobs. Those purple yeah, bobs. I'm like, let's go live on a boat in, in Key, Key West. West. I found it. Then I wanted us to go teach in Alaska for a year. They pay and on that remote island. Oh yeah, Kodiak they pay island. you like a hundred grand each. Yeah, but you got to live on Kodiak you Island. You do on, on Kodiak Island for one year. Yeah. And you yeah, and you have to teach the Inuit children. Right. And but and it, there's it was, more bears and people. There's more bears. Yep. And it was a hundred grand per each. This is for kids. Yeah, but we would probably I was like, like, what's the, like, why not? We would have frozen. Like, I figured one year we could live. We were from Buffalo. How much colder could it be? That's true. <laughs> All right. If this doesn't work out. Okay. If we, if we don't get enough downloads. We're, we're teaching the Inuits. <laughs> <laughs> if, we don't get, if we don't get enough downloads, right. we'll go teach the Inuits. All right. Sounds All right, good. Yeah. I wanted to learn their language. Yeah, right. And All right, stuff. we got one more question we can take. Okay. Um, a listener oh. of the Kramer and Gina podcast. Yes. You've been on that show. Yes, I have. At least three three times, I can recall. Yeah. Uh, out in San Diego. Asked, could you tell the button jar story again? I can't believe somebody remember that. Last Halloween, they had me on, and they were like, tell us a story. And I was like, okay. So I grew up you know, with a psychic family. And so like these things weren't like weird. And we moved to, I'm from Buffalo. And we moved to a house in South Buffalo where a woman had just died, like just died, like died. She was old, but she had just died. And all her stuff was still in the house. I'm talking rugs, clothes, silverware, furniture, like everything was in that house. And it was all from like, I don't know, the forties or fifties. Like she did not update. And we moved, I was like eight. So we moved in. And I don't know, my parents are just like, whatever. So they kind of kept everything. So, which is looking back a little creepy. And we all had experiences 
with this woman because she was very attached to the house. Like she raised her kids there, her son there and stuff. And we were, she was very attached to the house and we all had experiences with it. Like my sister who was like very little kept, you know, said like other people would tuck her in at night, it, which was creepy. And my mom saw something many times and once saw like the woman over the dining room table. And I myself saw the woman in the playroom, our playroom, which was actually her bedroom that she died in. And I saw her once like as clear as day. So we all had experiences in the house and we lived there a long time. It was a happy house, but there was a very old coffee canister, like a huge one, a metal coffee canister. And it was filled with buttons and of the, you know, there were so many things in that house and we just never thought of it, but we called it the button jar and we just, it was in the back of a pantry, like whatever. It was filled like with like, the most coolest antique buttons you've ever seen from God, not like hundreds of years old, probably like the most beautiful buttons. And, um, whatever, it was like a cool thing, but nobody ever thought about it. One morning, my mom wakes up and she's like, oh my God, the, the old lady visited me. She's like, and she told me there's money in the button jar. There's money at the bottom of the button jar and we have to look and it's going to be like amazing. And we're all like, oh my God. And we, we, we bury, you know, the button jar is buried underneath a bunch of stuff and we grab it. And we all get around the kitchen table and my mom dumps it out. And there's like nothing in there. There's like nothing in the button jar. And we're like, what a bust, you know, like it was like big buildup and everything. So I told this story update because I told this story on the Kramer and Genius show because right. it had like a lackluster ending. And then one of the viewers like emailed me. She's like, the buttons were the fortune. Really? Like, well, I mean, and then if you look on eBay or something like these things have value. <laughs> Buttons have value? I didn't know that. Well, they were so old. Like, they were really old, like, collectible. They they had things engraved in them and jewels, and they were, like, very um, vintage and things like that. And, like, probably things, like, you've never seen before, just crazy. And And we just my god i think about it because my mom after that my mom was like here's buttons and we hot glue them to our art projects or like whatever like, like they're totally <laughs> were these like buttons gone. like from the 1800s yeah and stuff? yeah the wow. house was old the house was from the built in the 1800s wow. so the house was old and the woman's family had lived there for a long time okay. you know just throughout the ages and so these buttons they looked very antique yeah like they weren't just like, like civil war buttons. it could have been because they weren't even like 1950s but they looked like hand molded and all sorts of like they were really crazy looking buttons so some the viewers like oh my god that was the the money the treasure, treasure that yeah. was the money and it, i was like oh we're idiots in the end that's the story that's crazy yeah the button jar story the button jar story that's we just it's cool. gone it's god knows where those buttons went i remember hot gluing them to things and just making necklaces or like whatever throwing them around <laughs> so that's an incredible uh, story okay all right so we have one more question someone asks what is demi lovato's aura colors because like she this. i guess she just had a recent uh yeah she okay so instagram she, thing or she something. did okay so i like this we should like name something like this like in pop news this aura is our, color okay. yes this no, is our segment pop news segment go Pop new segment in Aura Color. Okay, so Demi Lovato put up a very provocative photo of herself on her Instagram getting out of a pool and she called herself cellulite instead of, you know, the cell, like a play on the word. Cellulite? Instead of cellulite. She's like, I'm cellulite, you know, like, okay. which means like she's proud of it. Proud of it. Okay. And, you know, okay, so Demi Lovato has a lot of purple. She's purple and blue too, but her purple is like very strong and it's very like. I don't know, like, it's some, it, it, it goes through stages. And I think we've all seen this play out, like, because she's been in and out of rehab and, you know, has struggled with 
eating disorders and has struggled with other self-destructive tendencies and things like that. And for her to like, and I think purples get this a lot. They'll be told that's attention-seeking behavior. Yeah, I mean, that seems a little attention-seeking to me. It is attention-seeking behavior, but that's what purples do. Purples, and I think it's time for purples to shed their insecurities about that because like when you're purple and you're blue like you have this need for spotlight but you also are blue so you feel all the judgment like that's attention seeking behavior so like then they don't do it you know so there's like this war within so somebody like Demi Lovato and and like yes you could say like okay like I get it you know you're proud of your body like there's two ways of looking at it some people got gave her a lot of hate for it like oh that's attention seeking behavior and you know come on you know enough with that or whatever but I think it does help a lot of people who struggle through the same things and my kind of bigger picture of it is as a purple you know she needs it's you know this is a way for her to get attention in a way that's positive instead of negative like at least like she's bringing body positivity to the forefront and getting other people kind of like okay you know good for her you know maybe I'll wear a swimsuit too because a lot of people don't because right you know I mean, do you have to take a picture? I mean, I don't understand. I think when you're like, Demi Lovato. Well, like, I mean, but like all be... these celebrities, you know, right. I'm proud of her because like, you know, when you look at the Kardashian pictures, right. you know they have like extremely advanced technology making them smooth yeah. and their cellulite erasing apps and yeah. all this. other. And like, she didn't do that. And she could have. Right. You know, and she didn't do that. And I give her a lot of credit for that, you know, for showing us what she actually looks like, because that's like what we actually look like. So, like, I appreciate that because I I feel like we're so many of these people on Instagram giving their false advertising of like their life or what they look like or whatever. And she's she's going extreme and showing us the other way. But she's gone through so much. Yeah, I, I guess I see your point there. I mean, I mean, I always like see people like just taking a, what, a selfie in the bathroom. They're purple. And they're, you know, probably doctored the photo. But yeah, like my other question is like, who cares? Like why? I know yeah. what you look like. Right. Why do I need to see you with a cell phone in a bathroom taking a selfie? You know, it's like how like, purples express themselves. Yeah, but I know what you look like. I, like, like, I can <laughs> just kind of go see you. Well, you're if red. I'm, if I'm friends with you. And you don't take selfies. No, I don't take selfies. No. I and think selfies are ridiculous. No, you don't even take like like when we'll take a family picture. Like you, yeah. you like it's hard for you to even smile sometimes. No, I, you don't like posing. No, no I don't like to pose. You don't like like when we're all standing by a tree and there's people walking around and somebody's taking a picture and you have to smile like an idiot while the picture is getting taken. Right. Like even like that when because one time that speaking of Monica June photography oh, we yes. talked about last week. Yeah. You know, like she did some photo shoots with the kids and then uh, you know one time you guys wanted me in the picture. Remember I had a different color. Shirt on, yeah, you else. didn't match us because yeah, I didn't want to be in this like <laughs> yeah. photo. Like we're all matching, and then Scott's like... in like just jeans and his t shirt, and we're like, yeah. Why didn't you match? But there's a part of me that like will never care about that because yeah. like I'm not gonna ever make you match us, but right, it's, well, it's it just it's, weird. Like, it is posing, a weird picture you know, now in the forest or the wetland. Well, you're just you're not that's not you, not me. you know, but you do do other things. Like, you are very vocal. Like, when you have an opinion about something, there's no stopping you. Like, or, or like, we should talk about, Hmm. now I'm pulling this out on you. We should talk about your experience, because it was 9-11 last week. And you're a history teacher. This was absolutely insane. tell us, set it up, because this was amazing. This was amazing. And I finally feel better. Okay, um, good. Anyway, so every... I'm a history teacher. You know, I yes. manage Mystic Michaela, yes. but I also do 
uh, teach history. So yeah. every year on 9-11, I will show my classes this video. Uh, I don't. I forget the title. I mean, I've seen it like a hundred times. But uh, calls from the towers. Okay. And it basically is a video about uh, people that were stuck in the the twin towers right. above the eighty sixth floor, and you know, and they have outside communication and the last phone calls they had with their their loved ones. Yeah. And the sad part is, like, most of them thought they were going to get out. They didn't know the damage. Like we knew the damage looking on the outside, but them being in the building, they they thought they were going to be fine. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, there was this one guy, I can't remember his name uh, in the video. I think it was Mark Gartenberg. And, you know, and again, I've seen this video, you know, because I have, you know, teach a few classes each year. So three, four times each year for many years. And this time I, I watched the video again. And, he, you know, he was, a, he was a dad of a little girl. And he had another kid on the way. And... I, I, I couldn't shake it, right? After, you know, I showed the video, I went home, and I, I could not shake. Was it Mark? Gartenberg? James Gartenberg. James, James, James Gartenberg. Gartenberg. I, apologize. I really apologize for that. James, James Gartenberg. James Gartenberg. And I, um, I, I couldn't shake it. Like, yeah. I could not shake And you've seen this video this how many times over the years? Like, because you've taught like 20 times. years. So. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know when 9-11, when the video came out. But yeah, I've seen it like so many, so many times. Yeah. And every time I'm and like, like five times like, a day. Cause yeah, you yeah. Right. To every class. <laughs> right. It's not like you a know, teaching movie here. Yeah. And it's like, you know, every time I watch it, I feel sad. And he's got the you know little girl. Well, you have empathy. And then, yeah. But now but you then it ends. I, then I leave the building and it's over. But you experienced it different this time. You experienced right. it as an empath. Right. That's different. And I've never experienced it before. I didn't know. Yeah. Like, so... So I'm sitting there and you know I'm quiet and I'm, yeah, and I'm trying to find James's info and yeah. like, I, like looking up his wife and if the kids you got and, obsessed and with it I that's, got like obsessed with that's it spirit talking to you and you know you you'd done a lot of readings that day and I didn't really want to bother you right because you know you, you're drained after you do your readings but and, I knew you were sad so I was like what is wrong yeah and I'm like you know I, I just can't shake this I can't shake this this I, I don't know why. I have to tell you this I've never seen the video what is this guy's you know I just want to know his colors right. And, you know, what's the deal with this guy? And I showed you a picture, and, of course, you knew he was his dad and uh, deceased. And uh, you, and it's funny because you told me his colors are red and blue. Right. And I'm red and blue. Yeah. So, you know, it was, it was really And I never saw the video. No. And I said, he died on the stairs. And you right. said, he did die on the stairs. Right. And I said, he wasn't alone. And you said, no, he wasn't alone. See, I, but it's hard when, like, something is Googleable. I right. didn't know. I never seen the video. No. You don't talk about work. No, not so much. I never heard about it, but he was no. definitely coming through. Yeah, and he was trapped on the stairwell. Yeah, he couldn't get through on the eighty. I think he said the eighty-sixth floor. Wow. So but, and then, but then say what you did because you were so obsessed with it. Well, so obsessed with it, and I which I is tried weird to, for you, but that's spirit, right? You know, kind of coming. You know, normally if I get obsessed, I'm trying to, you know, DM a Kardashian or something, <laughs> to, or the Ellen Show, right? Or something like that. But this is um, different. Yeah. Yeah, this is different, and I'm like, all right, well, maybe I should you know, write to, to his wife Absolutely, or yeah. the kids, you know, one was not even born yet. Right. And, you know, I was having trouble finding them probably, you know, they probably want to, I don't know, you know, keep to themselves, I guess I would assume. Uh, but I did find like the daughter, mm -hmm. um, one of his daughters and I did write her the note on Facebook. Know, yeah. On Facebook. Yeah. And I just said, you know, the story. Right. And then I felt better that I kind of like yeah. sent it off. Because I told you, like, he just. She probably thinks I'm a crazy person. Well, but. it doesn't matter. He just, for whatever reason, wanted you to reach out. And maybe he'll take it from there. And it's hard. It's very sensitive with something like this because, like, you don't want people to think you're capitalizing off of it or whatever. No, but like I, just, you, I couldn't shake it. You just really wanted 
her to know that his dad loves you. Yeah, that there was a and message. And that was it. You know, her. yeah, the dad loves you, and that was it. But that was interesting. This never really happened for you. That's how I do a reading. Yeah, this never happened. And to it's me. hard. That's how I experience a reading. Like I get very stressed out, or you know, sad, or yeah. whatever, and I feel things, and sometimes it sticks with me. But for you to have that, I know I, it was weird because yeah. like, I got like my like all you tearing were, like, up, crying, and, and very like, upset. Yeah, I was and like, and I didn't understand. I was obsessed with this guy, yeah, uh, James, and. Then, you know, finally you told me to write to her and yes. then that should, and then let it go. And you gotta let it and go. And if the universe finds a way to get her mm -hmm. the message, then. And sometimes just that helps somebody. Yeah. Like, hey, I'm a history teacher. I show this every year and I just felt, yeah. I just felt this. And maybe that just, if she sees that, yeah. maybe that just makes her feel connected for a moment to her dad. And that's right. nice. Cause he just, you know, it's, it's, cause wasn't she, wasn't even born yet. She like, his well, wife yeah, was pregnant yeah. when he died. Yeah. One was, one I was think two, two, two and, and she half. was pregnant. The other one was pregnant. Yeah. Like six months pregnant, I think. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. And it like, they had like pictures of her with him. I'm uh, sorry, him with the, with the, with the daughter, one. you know, yeah. taking a bath and, you know, you know kind of, yeah. And it was like your life. Yeah. They will come through. Spirit will come through when your life parallels. Yeah. So like you're red and blue. He's red and blue. Right. Well, like when I he, said, you know, is he red and blue? Finances. Like, you love stocks. You know, things right. like that. Like he's got little girls. You have little girls. Yeah. Like things like that. Like it parallels. So it's easier for them to connect with people on the other side when you mirror a lot of their own characteristics and, and feelings and things like that. They can yeah. kind of latch onto that and come on to you. So, but then you felt better. Yeah, well, now I'm starting to feel sad again. But, oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Oops. But, yes, I did feel better after yeah. I sent the letter. I don't yeah. know if she'll ever see it. She'll probably think I'm a crazy person. Well, I don't um, know. I think people like but, a little bit of, um, I think, like, when you when you deliver a message like that, like, just, and you just let it go, hey, take it how you want it, whatever. Yeah. Whatever this does for you, I hope. And then just letting it go. Yeah. And then that's it. And then just that you did everything you could do yeah. when you get a message. And it's so weird because I've seen the video so That's weird. Many and times. you're not like this. No. You're not like why like this. this. Time? Like I was talking about empaths and stuff yeah. and, and like every time I get like all empathy or my empath overwhelm, you're like you don't get it. Like no. you, you have no, compassion for yeah, me. I don't get it. Yeah. You have compassion for me, but, yeah, but you're I like, don't I don't it. get it. Right. Or like when I'm done with a reading and sometimes it's like really heavy and I'll be like, oh, I'm feeling really low today about like what happened. And I'll tell you about it. And you're like, okay, well you got to let it go now. And it's like, but you felt it. So, you know, like it's hard to let it go sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Good story. Thank you for sharing that Scott. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I hope, you know, the daughters find peace or whatever. Well, it sounds like dad's a strong guy in spirit. And he probably through. comes to the way yeah, what I've noticed with um, those on the other side, they find many ways to come through. They yeah. find many, many ways. <laughs> and like chances are, if you're getting it, she's getting it from a lot of angles because that dad it will do anything to come through to his, his babies. There's only one thing I can do now. What? And that's eat. We the need rest chocolate. Of these worth Bring oh my candies. god! Break out the chocolate. I've been doing my treadmill <laughs> with Nancy uh, Anderson. Yeah. So you have been. I could eat a couple of these Hollywood chocolates. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. And not feel bad. And not feel bad. <laughs> you, you wouldn't know. anyways. I would eat them anyways. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those milk clusters. Are oh. Unbelievable. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Again, reach out with any of your information or what you want me to talk about. This podcast is about you. It's for you. It's so that you can connect through knowing your aura. And I appreciate you all. Take care. Thanks, guys. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home, yes, cool, or attending one live, Goal! 
You can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement. Other restrictions apply.